Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen. And we are here for another fun week of fighting game community stuff. Uh, no big story to talk about today. Actually, there's just a lot of stuff happening in the fighting game community. And so we're going to talk about all of that today uh, instead here. Uh, namely, that uh, Tekken 8, Undernight in Birth 2, have been released and are now in the hands of the loving uh, public here. And so, yep, even more fighting games. So many fighting games to play. I just, I don't know how we're going to fit in the time to actually play all these fighting games. Oh, man, this is definitely a, t uh, you know, it's a good problem to have, but it is uh, definitely uh, hard to put in all the time. Because, again, Grand Blue just came out uh, last month, and now we have Tekken 8 and Undernight in Birth 2 out. And so far, uh, the what the words that I've been hearing is that uh, Tekken 8 has been apparently received very well. I see a lot of people trying it, new players who have never played Tekken before, trying to learn Tekken. It seems like people are, you know, getting used to the heat mechanic a little bit. Now, obviously, there's going to be bugs and, and little problems here and there. This is happening with Tekken and with Undernight in Birth. Uh, I heard the PC versions for both of them are not going uh, particularly uh, smoothly. Although, uh, obviously, Kamone, the, the producer of Undernight, has been very, very transparent. has been like, we're fixing it. We're fixing the PC version. We're fixing it. And I know, <laughs> like, Tekken 8 has had overheating issues uh, in, <laughs> in, on PCs and... Uh, Definitely having some, uh, I heard, online issues as well. And I've heard, like, uh, you know, uh, the netcode hasn't been necessarily great. But so far, I mean, the majority of the word that I've been hearing is positive, And it sounds like they're all trying to fix everything as fast as possible. Now, before I get into talking to you guys about your experiences with the games, uh, first of all, this really puts a really stark perspective on just how good Street Fighter VI launched. Like, were there any issues? Or it, like, launched and we were playing online and, that like, that was it, right? Like, it just worked. It's actually pretty amazing. And, you know, uh, even the, the bugs for the game, not super crazy. However, I will say a game like Tekken is going to be a lot harder to find all the bugs just because there's a bazillion moves in the game and a bazillion potential interactions. And so getting the games out into the hands of a bunch of people, you're going to find a lot more. So if you're finding and seeing people posting up bugs for Tekken 8, don't even, like, don't be like, oh my god, did he test the game? You know, dude, like, it's rough. It's rough out there uh, in, in these streets when it comes to fighting game dev. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, honestly, like, I hate to, to, to turn this into a Street Fighter 6 thing, but wow, Street Fighter 6 actually had a really, really great launch, but 
you know, for the most part, it seems like Tekken 8 is doing really well. A lot of wonderful modes in the game, a lot of fun ways to play the game. I've been hearing great things about the story mode. People are like, oh my god, story mode, the lore, ah! And like, there's a lot of, you know, Tekken Ball is in the game. They have a battle hub-like lobby system. The customizations, like, Tekken's customizations never used to be this good. But now it's starting to feel like it's reaching Soul Calibur levels of customization because people are doing an amazing job recreating other characters from other games and such. But uh, so my story is because I was at Frosty Faustings this past weekend, I did not have a chance to play any of the Tekken 8 uh, release as well as Undernight release as well. So I don't have any personal experiences with these games so far. Uh, it sounds like the netcode for Undernight is absolutely amazing uh, as well. So I, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, for you guys who have actually been able to sit down for Undernight in Birth and for Tekken 8, I'm really curious what your guys' experiences have been so far. And same for the YouTube guys. If you guys want to leave a comment below just to let me know how your experiences with Tekken uh, 8 and uh, Undernight have been. Now, obviously, you know, there's all sorts of facets of this. There's the netcode facet. There's the matchmaking facet. There's just the I'm enjoying the gameplay and the new mechanics facet uh, and, and such. And I'm really curious, you know, for you guys out there who have actually played the game. Uh, what you thought of it so far. Obviously, we just started the stream, so uh, the viewers are slowly rolling in. So <laughs> I, I, I know we don't have uh, too many people in here. Uh, Arako says that the T8, Tekken 8 netcode isn't that bad. Some matches are unplayable from people's bad internet, right? Uh, has there been any confirmation on what the netcode is, or is it still kind of nebulously vague Tekken 7 sort of rollbacky but not rollbacky <laughs> kind of thing so yeah and so Gundam and Jaguti, Gundam Jahudi Kai says that uh, they bought Undernight in Birth 2 on PC for the first time usually a console player was pretty miserable day one in the game crashed when I tried to matchmake I know that they've released a bunch of patches for Undernight in Birth 2 so I'm wondering if uh people are having better experiences since the patches. Uh, even uh, Xnarima says, Undernight has been good when the game works. The problem is I'm still having issues getting matches due to some of the PC issues. Now, are there any Undernight players who are playing on console? Because I heard the console experience for Undernight has been fairly flawless so far. Uh, so if you want to play, it almost sounds like you're better off playing on the PlayStation version, which is kind of a shame because honestly, we want to, a lot of people are playing fighting games on PCs these days. Uh, so it's really, really, um, it's an unfortunate situation right now, and let, we hope that uh, they're working on it and they'll get it taken care of. As I mentioned, uh, Kimone has been very, very uh, uh, transparent and has been talking about it and basically saying, like, yes, we're doing our best to fix the issues and such. But, I mean, in terms of, uh, I mean, talking to people at Frosty Faustings, some people are saying this is the best version of Undernight, like I was talking to some Undernight players and they said this might be so far one of the best versions. Obviously, the game is brand new and as we go, we're going to find out someone is super busted. Uh, but I think a lot of people uh, 
uh, have been enjoying uh, Undernight. And Nuttercon actually says, uh, been away from the FGC, but Tekken 8 brought me running back because it's amazing and I want more. So there you go. So one good, uh, you know, uh, per, uh, person in there with good stories and good impressions with Tekken 8 so far. So, um, so it sounds like uh, the Tekken 8 is being really, really enjoyed by a lot of people. Chad Mode saying Tekken 8 is a masterpiece. I mean, uh, again, I haven't had a chance to try it, so I apologize. Uh, I wish I did, but I was at Frosty, so I, I really didn't have a chance to, to get my own opinion. But, I mean, what, what would you say, Chad Mode, uh, you know, makes it a masterpiece. What is it that you like about it? Is it the gameplay? Is it the graphics? Is it all the one-player content? And, you know, it's great to see because, honestly, uh, oh, oh, yeah, Senko, uh, 2D Fraud, like, I've been saying that for all the time. It's like the golden age of fighting games is now. Now is the golden age, or at least just the greatest era of fighting games. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Um, Let's see, uh, oh, you're waiting for a sale for Tekken 8? Also, the story mode is some really nice character moments. Yeah, like I said, I I've heard the story mode is absolutely amazing uh, for Tekken 8. Most people who have played it have just been gushing about it, and obviously a lot of people don't want to spoil things, so uh, if you, uh, please nobody spoil anything in the chat uh, as well, so... Arcade Lounge is superior to Battle Hub. Interesting. Okay, because I love Battle Hub. Uh, what key features are, are there, uh, FGC Dennis, that make the Arcade Lounge uh, preferable to Battle Hub? Uh, curiously. Curious to see what that's, uh, what kind of things are there. But how about gameplay? Anybody have anything to talk about the gameplay for, like, Undernight, like I said, the, the, the Undernight players that I was talking to at Frosty basically said that they feel like it's one of the most balanced versions so far. Again, it's um, really hard to say so early on. Um, yeah, oh yeah, if MK1's not in the main lineup of EVO, something is really wrong. Something is definitely, definitely wrong. Yeah, Tekken 8 replay takeover in practice mode is so damn good for learning. I'm really good, glad they added that Rump's Potatoes because, like, I feel like Tekken is a game that needs it more than anything else because there's so many moves. It would be nice to just be able to go, like, wait, I got hit. What can I do in this situation? What can I do in this situation? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough, John the Automaton. You know, he says, Street Fighter Six is my first proper fighting game. I don't think I can handle learning another fighting game, but I'm getting fear of missing out by passing on Tekken 8. Yeah, I mean, again, keep in mind, too, if Street Fighter 6 is your first fighting game, Tekken's going to be a wild, wild thing. I mean, we could definitely talk about this a little bit because Tekken is a very, very different game. Now, the nice thing about it is because Street Fighter 5 and Street Fighter 6 have a lot of frame data concepts that does make Tekken a little, like the concept of taking turns and such that exist in Tekken makes a little more sense. But Tekken is just a wildly, wildly different fighting game uh, than Street Fighter. It's, it's just such a different 
kind of feel. The concepts are different. You actually stand block the majority of the time instead of crouch blocking. And, you know, you have to understand a lot of the, the ideas of the games. You know, obviously the, you know, standing one, the crouching one are the, uh, you know, standing jabs and crouching jabs. And they're very important for taking turns, just like in Street Fighter. But there's so many ways to blow those away. You can, you know, hop kick low jabs. You can parry low jabs and such. You can duck understand jabs. And uh, again, it's just like the way moves are input. You know, you've got a crouching state and a standing state. You really have to understand the difference between them. Uh, sidestepping. Again, this could all be different. I'm talking Tekken 7 uh, mostly right now. Uh, obviously, Tekken 8 might feel a little bit different. Like, apparently, a lot of, you know, uh, in Tekken 7 and previous Tekkens, if you had a move that was like, like a quarter circle forward plus punch that you had to do while standing, if you were crouching, you couldn't just input that move. But apparently, you can now. So that's a change in Tekken 8 to be a little bit easier to input uh, crouching moves. I mean, standing moves, motions uh, from crouch. But again, most of the time, you know, most characters don't have, you know, quarter circle forward as their special moves. There's no special moves in this game, really. It's just a giant list of moves, basically. So, um... Uh, I think you'll love the new tips and replays system. You can play your own matches. It literally pauses on your key moments, and you can actually swap and control. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, obviously, it's not going to have the frame meter because I, I don't think... Uh, uh, I will say this. Uh, Tekken uh, has always kind of had a history of having very, very just like passable training modes. Now, I don't know how the training mode for Tekken 8 is, but it, I hope it's a lot better than it has been in the past. Because even like in Tekken 7, there were th like things wouldn't get listed as combos that were combos, etc., etc. It was just kind of really, really bizarre. Um, uh, high level to see players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, training mode has frame data. Nice. Okay, so we don't have to pay for frame data. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's what Nutacon is saying over here. It says, actually, you can counter this move with so-and-so, and you can hit the button to practice the move yourself. And that's really cool. Like, that's really good. Because for the longest of time, Harada had been pretty stubborn about that. Like, he wanted people to discover stuff on their own and didn't want to handhold people. But I, you know, like I said, one of the nice things about Street Fighter VI, and obviously they had a lot of these features planned before, Street Fighter 6 was released, but Street Fighter 6 coming out still, I feel like, really just kind of, uh, you know, set the standard for what we expect out of fighting games. And so it's really, really cool to see Tekken 8 have so many features. And again, if you're someone trying to learn Tekken 8 and you're hearing all this and you're listening to all this, you're like, that sounds amazing. I totally want to try that. <laughs> In 2024, who has the time anymore, especially as old people? Yeah, not only just but old people, but also there's just too many fighting games. There's just really... Oh, it'll also tell you in your replay highs you could have ducked? Oh my goodness. So, so the idea, uh, what Chad Mode says, it'll also tell you in your replay highs you could have ducked. If you're new to Tekken, a lot of times there are pokes that you can go for that are safe on block. And uh, you can kind of fish with them, but they're highs. 
And so this is a common concept in Tekken in that these moves that are highs will be safe on block. So if you're just standing the whole time and you're blocking all these things, some of them are even plus and that there's really not much you can do with it uh, due to basically fight against it, but you can learn to crouch. So for example, Lucky Chloe, uh, everybody had an armored move in Tekken 7 and uh, Lucky Chloe's was completely safe on block. Like you're totally used to blocking everybody's armor move and at least getting a 10 frame punish on them in, in Tekken 7. But Lucky Chloe's was completely safe. And when I would fight it, I was like, why is this safe? This is, this is totally unfair, right? And people are like, it's a high, you can crouch it. And so basically if you predict that Lucky Chloe's gonna do the, her guard, her, her, uh, her armored move, you could just uh, duck it and punish it that way. And so it's a very common concept in Tekken that a lot of the times the moves that feel strong and, and abusable and you're having trouble fighting them is because they're highs and you can actually crouch them and punish them. But of course, if you didn't learn that or if no one tells you or if the move just doesn't look like a high, uh, you may never know. So the fact that it's actually telling you uh, that it's a high in the replay is really great. Yes, highs, the definition of highs is that they will whiff if you crouch. Things that hit you if you're standing or crouching are mids, and things that only that hit you if you're stand blocking are lows. So basically, that's the concept of Tekken uh, in general, is that you've got the highs, the mids, and the lows. The mids are always going to be the most dangerous. They have the best ability to launch people, etc., etc. But they are also usually punishable on block, especially if they're big launchers. If they're not big launchers, you're only going to be able to punish a little bit. And again, learning Tekken 7, I've learned a lot of ways to teach people Tekken, strangely, even though I wasn't very good at it uh, myself. Lows, there's two classes of lows. There's the un unreactable lows and then the uh, reactable lows. The reactable lows are usually launchers. And if you see them and block them, you can usually punish pretty hard. Uh, the unreactable lows are like chip damage. You're going to get hit by a lot of those. And you're just going to have to accept the fact. And the more you keep getting hit by them, you keep losing life. And so now you're going to try to predict to block them. But then they hit you with the mid and launch you, etc., etc. But again, all lows can be parried uh, as well. So if you really predict the low, you don't have to commit to anything crazy. You can actually just parry. Or if you have something like a hop kick or something that's a great low crush, you can blow them up that way as well. Um, oh, special mids, right, that can be blocked with crouching or standing. Right, because mids cannot be blocked while crouching. So keep in mind, like I said, because mids are some of the best launchers in the game, all mids are basically overheads. And that's why in Tekken, you spend the entire time standing. So like in Street Fighter, you spend a lot of time crouching and you look for the overheads. In Tekken, you spend most of the time standing and you look for the lows, basically. And again, sometimes it, you, you don't even commit to trying to block the lows because you're scared that they're going to launch you. But again, as you keep getting drained, then obviously when you have no life left, the lows become terrifying because they'll finally kill you. So in other words, Tekken, Tekken, you could almost joke that there is a system of instead of take the throw, it's take the low, right? I mean, honestly, that's kind of the way you want to see it. 
Because in like Street Fighter Five, you took the throw until you were scared that you were gonna die. And then uh, in Tekken, you know, in Tekken is you take the low until you're scared you're gonna die. Or if they actually abuse the low, then you start predicting it and blowing them up. But then they can use that to set up the, you know, uh, bait you into crouching and hit you with the mid, which is basically like the Street Fighter version of the shimmy, right? Like eventually, like I don't want to get thrown four times in a row, so I try to tech, and then they predict it. Shimmy lows can be kind of the same way in Tekken you just take a take a kick to the leg take a kick to the leg and then finally you crouch and then all of a sudden pow mid launcher uh basically so yeah throws are a completely different thing in Tekken uh honestly because uh, again lows can be crouched I mean throws can be crouched unless there are crouching unless there, it is a crouching throw which is a throw that actually grabs crouchers but then you can stand, and then the low throw will actually miss. But in general, the, the throws in Tekken are stuff that you can crouch under. Throws are considered highs. Uh, I don't know exactly how the brake system works in 8. If it's exactly like Tekken 7, I'm not actually sure yet. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. You treat lows like chip damage. That's what I was told learning playing Tekken. You just kind of accept the fact that you're going to take that damage every once in a while. So Tekken, again, has a very, very different dynamic. And, you know, the sidestepping, you know, people often tell you the game is 3D, sidestep more, you know. Uh, it's not as simple as something like Soul Calibur. Moves have very specific timings to be sidestepped. They have directions that you have to sidestep it. Like some moves cannot be sidestepped left, but they can be sidestepped right. And you kind of have to know that. Uh, also, if you're left, right, dyslexic like I am, uh, I describe it as uh, sidestepping clockwise and sidestepping counterclockwise. Because then it doesn't matter if you're player one or player two, it's the same direction. Clockwise is always clockwise. Counterclockwise is always counterclockwise. <laughs> so that actually helps too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crouching throws are not uh, seen that often, but uh, you can, uh, <laughs> when you pull them off, you feel good. You feel good. So, um, yeah, it's tricky because a lot of people will tell you, oh, you're supposed to sidestep. But honestly, if you're learning the game from scratch, like, don't try to sidestep too early. It is a higher level tactic. Uh, yes, you'll need it eventually for sure. Uh, but, you know, start the game without it necessarily. So our counter hit throws a smaller window. Uh, what do you mean by counter hit throws? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So Shay is saying, no, counter hit throws are basically throws when you catch someone out of the recovery or through the startup of their move. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, in Street Fighter, if you're in the middle of a move, you can't tech a throw. But if you're actually uh, in neutral, you can actually tech a throw, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, backdash canceling, a.k.a. Korean backdash. I don't know if they made Korean backdash easier in Tekken 8. Because Korean backdash is one of those things that you'll hear a lot of people. are like, you got to learn Korean backdashing. You got to learn Korean backdashing. And, you know, it's definitely a key fundamental of the movement of the game. Because one of the things you have to keep in mind is that in Tekken, uh, one of the interesting things is neutral blocks. So if you leave the joystick alone, you will block. 
The only way that you won't block is if you're holding forward. Obviously, the high and lows will get you. So if you're in neutral, you'll actually get hit at your feet by lows. If you hold straight down, you'll get hit by mids. But if you let go of the controller or hold straight down, you're just blocking automatically. When you're in neutral, you automatically block so long as you're not holding forward on the controller. And that's the power of the Korean backdash. That's why backdash canceling is so important because you can also block out of your backdash, right? So if you're just like backdash canceling, technically speaking, you can block, you're blocking the entire time outside of the high-low mix-up. And so it's a very powerful defensive option to be able to bait moves out so that you can whiff punish them. And if you're at the wrong distance, you end up still blocking them. Obviously, you can get caught at certain points during the Korean backdash if you're crouching and stuff like that. But it's uh, really, really important. And Rump's Potato says Speed Kicks and Anakin also have a great Korean backdash tutorial. Uh, you don't need a special lever, John Automaton, who asks, is that the one, isn't that the one you need a special lever for? Uh, you don't need a special lever, as Mike Lee says, just more efficient if you have a lever that returns the neutral faster. Uh, backdash canceling is like wave dashing in other games, if you don't have a way to dash with buttons, right? It's really important. Uh, again, it is something that's complicated, but you should learn it earlier than later. Uh, kind of like sidestepping, I would say not to obsess with uh, Korean backdashing early on when you're learning Tekken. Uh, but eventually, it's something you're going to have to start learning uh, pretty, pretty... I mean, again, it's more... It is a high, higher level tactic, but it's so important and so fundamental that I feel like learning it early on is very, very important. Whereas something like sidestepping really becomes a hardcore predict, hardcore read uh, sidestepping thing or option selects basically. But again, Korean backdashing becomes so vital uh, in the game that it is important to kind of learn it. But let's just put it this, I mean, I use King who doesn't have a great backdash, so Korean backdashing wasn't as useful for me, but even after I played it for months and months, like I still wasn't Korean backdashing on like, like as a muscle memory. I, I was still letting myself get beat up because I would just block, 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 help! Instead of block, 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 Korean backdash, Korean backdash, get out of there kind of thing. But again, King also has one of the less good backdashes uh, in the game, so. <laughs> Uh, Vanghorn, shout outs to you, by the way. I, I wanted to send you a message. Uh, I, 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 you know why I wanted to send you a message. I just haven't had a chance yet because I just got back from Frosty Faustings and I've just been exhausted and tired. Uh, unlearning is a pain. Better to learn the right way first. While I do believe that's true, I think for fighting games, learning the right way is too overwhelming. I think there's too much uh, there's too much information to learn the right way. And so you're going to have to learn some things the wrong way and then uh, start learning them the right way, which is why I always do say that fighting games are every bit as much about unlearning as they are about learning. 
Again, Tekken is a really, really complex game, but uh, it is frame data heavy. But I mean, players like Anakin don't really know any frame data. So like they have just played it, you know, by feel and have gotten good at it. So uh, there's definitely ways to uh, learn the game without, you know, having to study frame data. Uh, there's just so much information. There's a lot of moves in the game. So it's tough. Uh, if you remember, in one of my first attack episodes, I talk about pet moves. This is very important in Tekken. A lot of times you would try to learn Tekken, they're going to tell you, here's your top 10 moves, like the 10 best moves for your characters in Tekken. Like, just, just start playing them and finding moves that you just feel like are good and work and stick with them. Uh, that's just how all fighting games should be. And as you play, you're going to be like, God, I have nothing that reaches far. This guy just keeps out poking me. I need something with better range. And then you'll just go through your move list and you'll find something. You'll be like, oh, sick. King's forward four is actually a pretty good range button. I'll use that, you know, and stuff like that. You know, you'll eventually get to that point where you realize you need something else and you can go and pick up new things. So I... Some, that's what somebody told me, Forrest. Somebody told me that Anakin doesn't study uh, frame data. I may be thinking of the wrong person. I maybe have misheard or something like that. Um, Netcode feels great on wired. Okay, okay. But you get a wireless opponent, rip. Oh, no. Oh, that sucks. Um, uh... Right. You don't want to cancel the dash. So what makes backdash canceling most difficult is that it's not instant. You don't want to cancel the dash as fast as possible. Yes. So basically, you need to let yourself go before you start the next one. If you do the Korean backdash as fast as possible, your character literally goes and doesn't basically move anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I mean, enough of little uh, beginner tips for me about Tekken and stuff. Uh, really should... Uh, try to mess uh, to try to play the game a lot of people are, are, are having fun with them and yeah you know Forrest when you say a new character comes out he's already making a tutorial for them keep in mind that a lot of Tekken characters there's a lot of categories for Tekken okay there's a lot of categories so basically everybody will have their 10 11 frame punish Everybody will have their 12 frame punish. Everybody has a 13 frame punish and then the 14 frame punish, which is typically a launcher. So that's kind of how you want to feel. The 10 frame punishes are almost always just going to be one, two. You get a one, two or a one, four or something like that. And that's like the best you're going to get or a one, 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 you know, uh, as, as, a, as a punish. But those are the smaller damage punishes out there. Uh, that usually covers anything that's minus 10 and minus 11. Once you get to minus 12, there's usually moves that do more damage and uh, actually give you better combos a little bit, but usually still don't get you anything crazy. It's usually just that string, pow, pow, and you get that, but you don't get like crazy combos. 13 starts to get, you know, there's certain moves out there that you have 13 frames. Again, that's better. And then 14 is where you start to get into the launch punishing realm. And so when a player like Anakin or some fantasy player that doesn't study frame data, you know, they don't have to study frame data. They just know what's my fast punisher, what's my middle punisher, what's my long punisher, and what's my launch punisher. 
And all you have to do is just test out your opponent's moves, like another character's moves, and just see what's actually launch punishable or one-two punishable, you know. With the frame data actually being listed in the game, it makes it that much easier. But that is a, that is a thing in Tekken. It's a very, very category categorized thing. And also keep in mind, remember I mentioned that your move set from standing is different than your move set, set while you're crouching. So usually you're going to have a different set of punishes from standing or crouching. So if you have a really nice 12 frame punish against standing things, some characters may not have a good 12 frame punish from when they're crouching and it's really middling or something like that. So that's actually a really interesting thing. So learn your 10, 11 frame punisher, your 12, 13, and 14 frame punishers from crouching and from standing. So for example, with King, you know, my launch punisher while standing is my hop kick. But when I am crouching, uh, my my best crouch from crouching punishing punish launcher punisher is going to be holding down back and then down forward plus two where he does a little stomach gut punch. So you're going to have to make sure you study those things for your characters. But again, that's stuff that you can learn uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Tekken is definitely very different from Street Fighter. So if you start from Street Fighter, understand that Tekken is going to feel very, very foreign to you. Uh, but you know, obviously if Tekken is your first fighting game, then, you know, a lot of things are going to just make sense because you don't have other things to conflate with. Um... Yeah, 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 for sure. Sometimes it's better to do crouch, cancel, launch from for some optimal combos. Like I said, King can do launch from uh, his hop kick, which you can do raw from crouching as well. So if I'm fast enough, I can just hop, kick, punish as well as my little gut punch kind of thing. Um, but yeah, again, Tekken is a very different game, and it's it's very complicated. It's it's hard to it's it's definitely uh, very very different, right? So even if you play something like Undernight Inbirth, which is extremely different than Street Fighter, at least it's still 2D. You still have the same concepts where you understand, you know, jumping and cross-ups, and you do want to low block the majority of the time. So even though a game like Undernight Inbirth is wild, it's easier to transition to if you have a 2D uh, background, right? And so uh, Undernight and Birth might be a little bit easier to get into, but keep in mind the game, the characters in the game are just completely wild. And so every character in the game is like their own fighting game. You really have to understand their system and what their threats are. Uh, but the main thing about Undernight is the grid system. I know I talked about this in a previous stream. Uh, but understanding the grid system. So it's interesting because, you know, it's it's interesting because now thanks to Street Fighter 6, it's easy to talk about the grid a little bit more because there's a little bit of a frame of reference. But the grid system is very similar to the drive gauge in that you should be paying attention to it like the majority of the match. And you're literally fighting to go uh, to basically uh, be winning uh, in the grid whenever the timer finishes. And again, I don't want to get too complicated and scare people. You can play the game at first without paying much attention to the grid, but after a while, you do want to start paying attention to it because everybody has uh, you know, a V skill essentially that you can do, but that eats your grid. But then if you are smart blocking, like actually using the shield thing, you block things, you gain more 
grid, if you move forward, you gain grid, etc., etc. There's this very delicate balance of playing the game and trying this tug of war uh, to to win uh, the grid. What's it called again? Whenever you get the grid, when it, uh, 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 shoot, I can't remember the name of the the term. Uh, when you actually, uh, um, when the timer fills up and you have more grid and you win, you go into uh, Vorpal. Is that what it was called? Like, I, I know it's not, like, I almost called it you go into heat. But was it called Vorpal? Like, you, you went into some state, and I can't remember. Uh, how do you get grid break? Uh, so, um... Uh, okay, so it is Vorpal State. Okay, so you, you win Vorpal State, basically. And then you gain access to a Roman cancel. You gain all these extra powers. Like, it's really valuable to go into Vorpal State. Uh, grid break is if you make, like, certain mistakes. So, for example, like I said, there's the perfect guard thing, which if you're using it and the person hits you, you gain grid which is why uh, even though there are some really powerful zoners in this game, if you are very good and skillful, active on your defense, you will build your grid as you're defending. And then when the timer fills up and you win because they're sitting there shooting and giving you grid because you're, you're basically intelligently defending, you get Vorpal State and now you have more tools to get in on them. But there are ways to make mistakes. So, for example, if you're trying to use the, uh, the, 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 you know, the uh, shield system to gain more grid, for example, if you get thrown out of that state, your grid just breaks. And if your grid breaks, uh, you have no access to anything. You can't do your V skills that I, uh, that I mentioned. You don't have access to a ton of things. Like you're screwed. Uh, you don't even have access to your super meter, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, your super meter breaks too. So like being guard grid broken is really brutal in that game. There's definitely more than one way to get uh, grid broken. Uh, but it's really, really, um, again, it's complicated, but the funny thing about it is the more you play Undernight, the more you realize how beautiful the grid system really is because of how it affects the game. Like I said, you know, you, like, uh, John the Automaton says as he struggles against zoners, the fact that you know, you can build grid while defending, being an active defender by using the shield mechanic is really, really important. You know, that kind of thing. Like, everything about the grid system is so intelligently designed, honestly. So, uh, what is this technical achievement, Shay? Do I want to know what this is here? <laughs> uh... What is going on over here? Why is this? This is a. Uh, did you give me the right uh, clip, uh, Shay? I don't know what this is. This is a. Looks like it's talking about Pal World or something like that. Um. Uh. Oh, Uni Two has the lowest input lag they ever tested in any game. Oh, they tested it. Uh, that's awesome. That's actually really cool to hear. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Undernight in Birth is, you know, again, every character is crazy. Every character is wild. And, you know, uh, it's like 
it does remind me of that DNF uh, Darkstalkers vibe in which it just feels like everybody is broken and you're just like, how does this work? Uh, this character is broken. Oh my God, this is like every character is broken except the one I'm using. Uh, but you know, every character is super good. However, unlike the NF Duel, uh, Under Knight does have air blocking, but I th you have to use the, uh, the, the special guard in the air, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in order to air block. So you have to actively do that. But it's just the, the game is so chock full of systems, but the way everything plays out makes a lot of sense. Like if I told you that when you tech somebody's throw, if someone throws you and you tech it, there's a decently large window to tech. It's a little bit longer than Street Fighter VI. But if you tech a throw, you're plus. Like you literally put the opponent in a state in which the only thing they can do is block. So you can actually force a block on an opponent when you tech a throw. And you're like, that sounds awful. Why should they be rewarded uh, for teching my throw? Like, that sucks. Now, why would I ever throw? Because if I tech it, if they tech it, that means I'd be, dude, trust me. <laughs> you play the game enough and you realize if that wasn't the case, dude, it would be a problem. Like, you should be rewarded for teching the throw in Undernight. And like the more you play, the more you realize how intelligently designed uh, these systems and how they all work together and such. But I will tell you right now, it is one of the most complicated fighting games because there's like, there's the Vorpal state, there's the, you know, the Roman cancel mechanic that I told you about, there's the V skill mechanic. And I'm ashamed because I can't remember the names of all of these mechanics right now. But there's just so much stuff happening. Like there's ways to do your 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 max super. There's like multiple ways to do it based on if you're in a formal state or if you're in this. Like, dude, there's like all this crazy stuff happening in this game, and so it is complicated. So if you do try to pick up under under night in birth, again, take your time with it. Don't inundate yourself with all the systems. If you go through the tutorials and if under night two is anything like Uniclair and Unist and such. They have great, great tutorials. So I hope their tutorials uh, still maintain that level of quality and detail. Uh, but again, you, you're going to get overwhelmed by the systems in Undernight. Uh, take your time with them. Learn the essential systems. Uh, understand how the Gatling system works and how reverse beat works, for example, because uh, Undernight is freeform like Melty Blood in that you can just chain anything into anything as long as you haven't used it in that chain. So I can do standing A into crouching C into crouching B into standing B into standing C into crouching A. Like you have all six of those standing and crouching between A, B, and C, and you can chain all six of them in any order that you want. And so you start to learn to be able to do some crazy combos off of that. You know, understand that there's only one OTG per combo. Uh, there's only one ground bounce per combo. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things to, to learn early on for Undernight and Birth. And yeah, while again, it's rough because maybe you have to unlearn some stuff later on, it's just too much. There's just too much to learn in the game all at once. Take your time with it. Um, yeah, it definitely sounds complicated, but you know, for us, like a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's holding it back. But then you go and play a game like League of Legends and like, 
you know, they're actually kind of complicated, right? Like, there's a lot more to those games. You got to understand the build. You got to do this. There's this system. There's all that stuff. And, like, people can get used to it. I just don't know what it is about fighting games that uh, make people intimidated so much easier than everything else. But I also do think it's the 1v1 nature and the fact that it's round one fight. Now you're stressed out. Like, the beautiful thing about, you know, when I tried to learn League... Uh, I was basically like, hey, just start your bottom lane. Just go down bottom lane and just start killing minions. Try to last hit them, gain experience. Just, you know, carefully do stuff and you'll engage sometimes. Then run behind your tower and you're safe. And you're just chilling there, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, there's a lot of uh, calm before the storm in a lot of those games or in fighting games especially games like tekken and undernight where round one fight you can hit the opponent right from where you're standing you know fighting games are stressful they're stressful right away and i think that's one of the factors that makes them so intimidating is because there's no calm before the storm and you know smash tried to even understand that concept there was that one mode in smash wii u if i'm not mistaken where you actually did one player journey picking up power-ups and then you finally met the opponent in the stage and fought there but like they tried to create a calm before the storm kind of a uh, uh method as well so uh, it's it's interesting. Fighting games definitely are intimidating that way. But again, Tekken, Undernight, and Birth just came out. Uh, you definitely want to uh, give them a shot if you can. Obviously, uh, fighting games are expensive as well because their season passes and all that stuff. Although the Undernight in Birth uh, first season is free if you buy it soon. Uh, I don't know what the when the window ends, but the first season pass is free if you get it sometime soon. Uh, and obviously, as I mentioned, it sounds like the P place uh, the PC platforms aren't doing particularly well for the games for both of them, and so we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, they get something they they get them uh, ironed out pretty soon. Oh, Gundam Jehudi guy says before March thirty first, basically. Um, so yeah, uh, pick these games up if you can. Give them a shot try them out remember some of the tips that i mentioned here but they go so much deeper than that but again understand that that is the joy of the fighting game right while it does seem like it's really complicated and intimidating etc etc uh it is still one of the greatest joys of fighting games is learning these things and understanding these things like it's so interesting when i play certain fighting games and i'm just like god damn it i get getting put into this position and I can't do anything. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I have this mechanic. I completely haven't used this mechanic yet. And then you start learning to use the mechanic. But now because you played it in that step-by-step -step method, it's not like you're introduced to this mechanic. And you're like, I don't know when to use it. You're actually playing the fighting game. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I wish I could do something here. And then you realize your opponents have been using some mechanic against you in that situation. You're like, that's what this mechanic is for. Okay. And then you have context for the mechanic, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's a great way to learn fighting games is to do it uh, incrementally and, you know, don't overwhelm yourself with fighting games. Like I said, 
So much about fighting games is unlearning stuff. And this is not even just like, hey, you're doing this wrong. But like, hey, I thought this move was good. Actually, it turns out this move isn't good. This other move is actually better. You know, a lot of this is about learning and unlearning, which is why when I teach people fighting games, I tell them to pick their pet moves. But I won't tell you which pet moves to pick because I want you to pick the wrong moves. I want you to pick moves that end up not being useful because at some point in time, you might just be like, this move isn't doing me anything. And so you try to find something else that covers what you wanted it to do. And then you find that move and that automatically starts teaching you to learn how to change what you're doing and, 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 real, and evaluate, hey, this isn't working. I need something better, you know, or hey, this is actually really good. I got to keep using this kind of thing. So, so yeah, um, take your time with them. Both of them are very complex games, but... All fighting games are complicated, man. Like, I mean, once Street Fighter VI came out, the whole drive system, I was just like, I can't handle thinking about all of this stuff at once. And now it's like a little bit easier now. So again, you know, keep in mind all that stuff when you're playing these fighting games like Tekken and Undernight. But it sounds like to me, everybody's having a grand old time with them. Obviously the wired internet connection seems to be doing better for Tekken 8 as Tekken 8 isn't true rollback or something, I don't know, uh, but Undernight is rollback, and from what I've heard, uh, the Undernight netcode has been fantastic, according to the people that I talked to at Frosty Fausting, so, uh, and that useful move might keep changing until you reach intermediate level where you can't gimmick your way out, yeah, and the funny thing about it is, those moves that weren't useful to you before, you might actually come back to them because you're like, actually, that move probably was actually a decent anti-air. Let me go back to that move and try it out. So, you know, uh, and, and see how it goes. So, okay. So is that confirmed? Uh, uh, okay. So play above 200 milliseconds and you will see rollback jittering. So Necrom Necromancy Black says Tekken 8 definitely has rollback. That's good. That's good. Um, Netcode is massively improved over Tekken 7. Excellent. Excellent. We are in an era where we can play like 19 fighting games, all of them with amazing netcode. I mean, honestly, the only game I feel like that's really missing from this is UMVC3 at Street Fighter 4. Like, I feel like everything else has gotten rollback net. Okay, not Virtua Fighter. Virtua Fighter obviously needs some form of rollback netcode somewhere. Actually, it does. Fightcade has some like VF3 rollback. Yeah, we talked about that, Necromancy Black, uh, the, the replay system telling you you could have crouched this, you could have punished this with that. I mean, that's excellent. That's excellent, especially because, as I mentioned, Harada at first was, you know, the reason why he didn't want to put frame date in the game is he was like, that takes the fun out of it. I want people to discover this on their own. And, you know, I want people to, you know, but we're just not in that era anymore. We're just not in that era at this point. Uh, DBFZ actually had an announcement uh, that they're, that the, uh, I mean, that, that they're working on the rollback netcode. So it's coming but they're still working on it. So <laughs> Blaze Blue, yes, got rollback, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it did. Yeah, stepping into replay at any point and controlling it is great. Uh, it's really, really, really good. So, um, <laughs> I mean, again, 
it was different back when it was in the arcade situation and when there wasn't that many games and when the characters didn't have as many moves. You know, it's just, it, it was a different situation. And, you know, the fact that Harada's, you know, kind of agreed to go this route instead, you know, because of the more console-oriented nature of play and because of the esports aspects of it, you know, uh, onboarding players is very important. So I'm glad to see that he's gone that direction and created the replay system to be as helpful as possible, which is uh, amazing, amazing. Um, uh, but was it actually more fun than having a comprehensive frame meter? So, John, uh, the automaton, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's not quite a, a fair comparison because older arcade games were designed in which the frame data was not as important. Uh, there's just, they're just, it just wasn't as important. Super Turbo, everybody had one frame throw, so if you're minus one, you were punishable. You know, uh, block pushback on block was so much higher. You know, most games had invul DPs or some system just to completely circumvent frame data and stuff. Like I said, I was talking to somebody online, and they were like, what are you talking about? Like, every fighting game, frame data is useful. And I was like, if you study frame data of Super Turbo and Third Strike, I guarantee you it will absolutely do nothing <laughs> to help you beat the top players in Third Strike and Super Turbo. Like, knowing the frame data basically means nothing. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's just, can I be punished? Or can I not be punished? If not, then I might try to parry, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, so it's, it was very different back in the day. Uh, we didn't have to know frame data back in the day because... You know, we had no internet. We, these games were literally designed to be quarter munchers, whereas a game like Street Fighter V and Street Fighter VI can be designed with training mode and websites in mind. Like, again, when I played Street Fighter II, there were no websites, <laughs> okay? Like, there were no websites. I was getting all of my... I was writing an FAQ for something called brawl.mindlink.net, and if you know what brawl.mindlink.net is, you are truly old school. You are super old school. Uh, but it certainly wasn't a website, let me tell you that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no internet when we were playing Street Fighter 2, which is why it was wild that people got so good at that game, even without it, you know, even without the internet. Uh, but, but there were patches. Street Fighter 2 actually got update patches uh, in the arcades. Like, things would change. Like, there was one point in time where, like, if you were using Ryu or Chun-Li, you're standing roundhouse anti-air to everything, and eventually they changed it so that, you know, uh, normals didn't anti-air as well, et cetera, et cetera. So there definitely were versions of Street Fighter 2. In any case, I'm getting completely off topic here. Uh, play Undernight, play Tekken 8. I've been hearing great things about these games. I will be trying to play them. I don't know when I'm going to be getting into Tekken 8 because I, I, I really want to learn Undernight and I really want to learn Grand Blue first. Uh, and I'm still playing Street Fighter 6. So I don't know when I'm going to get into Tekken, but, you know, hopefully I'll try to get into it at some point. So, um... So yeah, uh, at some point in time, you know, I'll definitely get into Tekken. 
I have every intention to give it a shot and see if I can actually get better at it. And it sounds like this replay system will make things a lot easier to get uh, better at uh, Tekken. So I'm excited by that. But uh, again, um, they just came out. Sounds like everybody's having a great time with them. So, you know, if you're interested in them, definitely check them out and remember some of the tips that I put in here. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you guys online playing those games. So uh, both of them deserve to have really wonderful scenes out there. And uh, it's great to see a new Tekken. Like, I'm so happy that, that we have a new Tekken here because Tekken 7 has been... <laughs> has been uh, the main Tekken for quite some time. So it's actually really cool. So uh, do the arcade quest in Tekken 8 first. Uh, it shows you mechanics over the course of it. Yeah, and I heard the story mode is actually just super good. So uh, unless arcade quest and story are two different things, Necromancy Black. Uh, wow, Forrest, you are, you're such a Tekken guy. The fact that you're saying that you might actually take you years before you get into Tekken 8 is crazy. But, I mean, obviously, everybody's life is a crazy situation. So, yeah, do your thing, man. Do your thing. When you get to it, you get to it. So, in any case, thank you guys for tuning in and listening and, and, and listening to me talk about some Tekken 8 and uh, Undernight in 2. We got uh, Undernight in Birth 2. We got a lot of topics here. There's a lot of stuff happening in the fighting game community. So, uh, keep an eye for these uh, popping up. I'm not sure how I'm going to upload them, what order, if I'm going to group two of them together, etc., etc. But definitely keep an eye out for these because these will be uh, coming up uh, at some point in time uh, on the YouTube channel. So uh, keep an eye out for them. Uh, this is going to be about the finals for the Dragon Ball uh, World Tour. Uh, some new mechanics to King of Fighters 15. Uh, Evo announcement is next week. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about Frosty Faustings and my experience there. So uh, Arcade Quest is using the player avatar. Story mode is playing through the Tekken story. Got it. Oh, thank you, Isaac. Isaac says, me and David commentating the final for Street Fighter VI last weekend was so refreshing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, exactly, Shay. Uh, the fact that both Tekken 8 and Street Fighter VI are very strong in very beginning is super good, not only for them, but for the FGC as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really, really, really happy about that. In any case, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And, of course... The day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life, but for me. It was Tuesday. I pressed the wrong button, <laughs> but for, it was the most important day for my, but for me, but for me. It was Tuesday.